Hello, everybody, and welcome to another installment of the Jew and Gentile podcast. You're, la- you're laughing at me already. What? Another installment? It's what it. are we, eight easy payments? Take uh, up to your interest free? That's exactly right. It's an installment. There, It's a process, you know? To get to the final goal. Uh, I'm Chris Katolka. I'm your host. I'm the Gentile. With me is none other than the sage himself, the Jewish sage, Steve Herzig. How are you, Steve? I am doing good, but somebody's going on vacation. I'm going on vacation. That's right. We're going to Florida, my family. You are taking the whole herd. All four. We're going to be getting into... Hold on a minute. All right. Well, welcome in. Welcome in. That's right. I'm going on vacation next week. I am going to be taking... All four of my children, 11, 9, 9, and 5. Two nines. 99. 99. We have twins. We have twin sons. Um, and we're Oy gonna... vey. <laughs> and that's not recorded. No, that's me. That's right. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. That's, that's recorded. That's oy, recorded. Oy. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, we're going to be in a, 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 a car driving. And it's not just, it's, we're going to the panhandle, so it's even further. You are going down the country we're going down and so um pray for us you know pray for our sanity pray for our lives pray for pray for your pocketbook pray oh my goodness every day the gas is going up every single day i was just talking to our very very dear friend and listener who i know is going to tune into this podcast she has to fill up her truck she told me today a hundred and sixty dollars to fill up her truck I, that wasn't even recorded. That's that's, that's <laughs> like just <it>. terrible. <laughs> that's just awful. People people are having trouble going to work. Now. I know it's, it's it's just awful. You know, it, and it's it, for us even. You know, normally I'm the kind of guy that says I, I don't know what kind of guy you are. I never fill the tank. I always just say give me twenty. I don't know what it is. I mean, no matter what, I'm spending the money. It's not yeah, like well, I, twenty isn't going to get you too far. No, well, that's the thing that's funny is now twenty is five. Yep, it's five. I mean, like I, I'm at the pump for five seconds with the twenty dollars. You know, it's four gallons for us here in New Jersey. So I'm the kind of guy that just goes give us twenty. So I've noticed lately, my wife with the we have the bigger car for the all the kids, and she goes give us a hundred, <laughs> and I go oh my god, and it doesn't even fill the tank. No. Nope, it's uh, it's kind of crazy, but we don't want to get involved in politics here. It's not uh, politics; it's just uh, it's living. Mourning, it's living. It's well, well, just thank sympathy. God you had your kids already, because if you just had one and you need to put them on formula, you got surus. We've used that word, yeah, before. big time surus, big time surus. We've and all got. I feel for the late. I feel for the moms, I, families. I, I really do. Well, we all have surus right now. Uh, well, why do we have surus? That's right. But you know what? We have uh, good news though too. So that's why we're 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 the Jew and Gentile podcast. We have great news. In fact, we're going to talk about Lachaim today. That's right, <laughs> Lachaim, and you say it with a. That's right, a good. That's right. That's why we have that special. Um, I don't know if you noticed, if you were watching online, we have these special uh, filters that it's are Yiddish over. proof and Hebrew proof. Exactly, you can't ever spit too much or whatever; <laughs> it catches it all. So, anyway, um, we're so glad you're with us. We wrapped up our series last week. Um, discussing the dwelling places of God. It was a great series um, on the on really the meaning of the temple, the tabernacle, the past t- tabernacle, the past temple, the the future one, all of it. And so, uh, w- you know, it was a great opportunity to study God's word, to engage in in what's going on uh, with the temple. But now we're moving into a new series, Steve, which we've titled. I, I'm not sure what we talked. Oh, I thought I thought you and I were prepared for this. Oh, I I'm I know it's going to come from. Uh, it's going to be the seven 
signs of John. Seven right? signs. That's exactly Se- what it is. The seven, seven signs, signs of the gospel of, of John. The seven signs of the gospel of John. And I think that's great because over the next seven weeks we'll be covering them. But it goes along since we're sponsored by Equip. That's right. We have Thursday night, we have Lorna Simcox, who is going to tell her story on the search. That's right. And I think the two parallel. She's going to have three weeks. We have seven signs from John, but they're all designed, as John wrote the gospel, uh, they're all designed to help people believe in the Lord Jesus, that they might have... L'chaim. Life. Life. We don't care about gas. We don't care about inflation. We want life. L'chaim. That's good. I like that. So we're going to look at the seven signs that are in the Gospel of John. We're going to start that today. And as Steve said, we have our upcoming equip classes. We have the search with Lorna that starts this Thursday. If you've not read, we already have 400 people ready That's to go. That's nothing. Come on, people. Let's register. Oh, I like it, Steve. Good job. She is going to be fantastic. Do you hear that, everybody? If you're listening right now, I'm Steve going. Just, I'm telling you, I'll be, I'll be there. You better be there. I'll be there. Good. You be- I'm going to be there to schmooze at 7.15 <laughs> Eastern time. Listen, if you're, it, it's worth the schmoozing. You, it, seriously, it's worth it to just hear Steve schmooze with people all around the world, and it costs you nothing. So just go to FOI Equip, register. Sometimes that's too much. <laughs> Even for what we do, right? That's right. Uh, so the search, be sure to uh, foiequip.org to register for her class. It starts at 730. And hey, listen, if you can't make it, that's great. Well, it's not great, but it's okay. Let's just put it that way. It's okay. In Hebrew, beseder, which means it's okay. Because if you can't make it, you can just watch the class online. We'll post it the following week and you can catch up. But that runs June 16th, the 23rd, and the 30th. Steve, also, just to catch people up, on July 21st, we're going to be doing our very first FOI Equip lecture series. How do you like that? I am very excited. We're we fancy, get, Steve. We are fancy. getting fancy schmancy. That's right. And so the, the lecture series is with Basem Eid. He's a Palestinian. Wait, say that slower. That's too fast for me. Basem Eid. Basem Eid. Basem Eid. We say Gesundheit. God bless you. No, you, you say Zagazun. <laughs> Live and be well. That's what you say. No, uh, you, Basem Eid is a human rights, a Palestinian human rights activist. Good guy. Good guy. Great guy. He's he's a he's a Muslim. He's non practicing. He grew up in Jericho. He lives in East Jerusalem, but he has a very different outlook on Israel and the Jewish people than most, I think, Palestinians do. Um, and actually, I think he's going to open your eyes. Uh, to uh, the way a lot of Palestinians think, um, you know, we I think we all think that Palestinians have one way of thinking about Israel and the Jewish people. Basem will open your eyes to see what's really going on in the Palestinian uh, territories, the way people are thinking about Israel and the Jewish people, and especially where he thinks the major conflict issues are between the Israelis and the Palestinians. So you got to come to hear Basem E July twenty first, and then finally, you know who I was talking to today um, in a meeting. Today um, I met with Paula Corin. Oh, food, glorious food. That's right. I, I'm ready. Uh, Paula Corin is going to be uh, our teacher in August. She'll be wrapping up our summer series uh, of the of FOI Equip, and um, she's going to be teaching, teaching us about Jewish cuisine. And she goes, Chris. Oh, that's, that's for oh, cuisine. The cuisine. I just call it food. <laughs> I thought I would, uh, sh- uh, sh- what is it called? Schmaltz it up a little oh, bit. Oh, schmaltz it up. Yeah. yeah. So we're schmaltzing it up a little bit, Jewish cuisine. And uh, you know what she told me today? 
she was saying how, I, you know, I was like, you know, I, I'd really love to see this. Almost like a food network kind of. And she goes, oh, Chris, whenever my husband comes home, I tell him I've been cooking and I have been in my head acting like I'm on the food network and I have my jokes lined up and I have my food ready to go. She said, Chris, I'm going to have something. You know how she says on the food network, they are, they're cooking something, but then all of a sudden it comes out of the oven. It's ready to go. She goes, I'm going to be ready for our crowd. I'm going to have something ready to pull out of the oven. You got to come Jewish cuisine, Jewish food, whatever you want to call it. The class starts August 11th. You can register at FOI equip Paula Korn. She's going to be teaching you not only about Jewish cuisine, but the culture behind it, what it means to us, even some of them, biblically, uh, and what it means to us as believers as well. It's really going to open your eyes to Jewish culture. And I customs. wonder if she uses real schmaltz to cook with. Uh, oh, we, we can ask her that. Shum's chicken fat. I know. No, That's fat. where we get the word. That's schmaltz is fat. It, why fat? Because it tastes good. When I'm when I at a church and they're mostly Gentiles, I say, oh, schmaltz. We use chicken fat, but you folks, you use bacon grease. <laughs> and they all go, ooh, Everything tastes good with bacon, they say. <laughs> well, uh, not to the Jewish people. Not course. from a Jewish point of view. Nope. Schmaltz nope. is chicken fat. That's chicken fat. That's, That's good. right. All right. Well, listen, why don't we go ahead, Steve, and we'll get started on our study as we enter into our very first uh, uh, session, our, our, our very sign. first sign. So our first sign. Take it away, Steve. Well, look, in chapter 20, the end of the book of John, John's writing this gospel, and it's a unique gospel uh, where the synoptics are the first three. There's a lot of unique things in John. And in verse uh, 30 from chapter 20, it says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Chris, he didn't do just these seven signs, nor did he do all the uh, miracles, just those miracles in the synoptics. There's no way to contain all the miracles that he did. And that's what this text is saying. But these are written, John specifically saying, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that is, he is the Mashiach, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. L'chaim in his name. We've talked a little bit about his name in other podcast, the name, very, very important. And our first sign, the text starts in chapter 2, on the third day. So you have to stop right there, on the third day. So you're back in John chapter 2 now. back in John chapter 2, on the third day. Well, we know that in the beginning of John, uh, when John the Baptist pronounced him the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, that was the next day, it says. So that's two days. And on the next day, in verse 35... Or excuse me, that's the next day would be two. And then on chapter two and verse one, on the third day, there was a wedding. Mm -hmm. A simcha. Mm -hmm. Now, I know I'm not supposed to say that word. That's right. (laughs) Wait, we don't want to get there yet. Go ahead. It's But I have to, Chris. It's a blessing. It's a joyous time. It's a wedding. And so, yep, play that music again. So we're stealing it from the end of the, where we always hold the Yiddish word, but we can't do it because it's a wedding. It's a wedding. It's a great, but we'll come back to it. Wait though. till Olive gets wet, gets married. I what a simcha that'll be. <laughs> well, the, well, we'll come back to the simcha. Though, we'll so come back. Here we'll we come go. Back. Okay, so it was the third day. There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. First of all, there's a couple Gal. There's a couple of Canas. There's the Cana up by Syria, but that's not this one. This is the one. 
uh, by in the Galilee, and that's why John says that. And the mother of Jesus was there. Oh, have you ever gone to a function with your mother? Oh, Chris, I love that. as an adult. Yes, it it's a party. Uh, it's it's a party. That's it's, right. It's a party. And you know, I was just that we were just uh, on the radio. We did a series, and I was talking about uh, John and James's mother, the mother of the sons of Zebedee. And even then, remember, she's the one that said, "Hey, Jesus, hey, come here." Why don't you get my son sitting at your right hand and your left? You gotta hand. have a connection. Yeah. Oh, and I love that it's the mom. You know, she. I want my boys to succeed. I want them to do well in life. <laughs> I can just right. see it. You know. Come on. It never hurts to talk to the big guy, right? <laughs> the big macher. He'll get him right <laughs> to the there's top. There's nobody bigger macher than Jesus. So maybe if we, but that didn't work out too well. No, though. it Not, didn't. We but learned. She tried. She, she tried. tried. She tried. Valiant effort. Mom. And here it's Jesus's mother. Um, and he's with his disciples, uh, and they were invited to the wedding. First of all, Chris, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah is going to a wedding. This is after he's been commissioned, if you will, by the Holy Spirit. Right. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away. He's starting his ministry, and what does he do? He goes to a wedding. Mm-hmm. Chris, what does that say about weddings? Uh, well, it shows that Jesus values weddings. I think it shows amazing, that, yeah. And I think it shows that he also was still he didn't hover above his the culture that he was in. You know, when I think of Philippians chapter two, that he emptied himself and took on the form of of a servant, the form of human to become like us. You know, that doesn't mean he was a he he was above us, but he still came down to be like us. And the wedding matters. It was a part of the culture, a very important part of Jewish culture as well. And he engaged right in it. And I don't know where else you're going with this, but I think that's very important oh, about who, who I, Jesus I, is. You're go, I'm go, you're, uh, where you are is where I was going. He, Jesus, the Messiah, is going to a wedding. He kicks off his ministry, his public ministry, by endorsing, celebrating a wedding. Yeah. And he's going to choose that to do his first miracle. So he, he does it amongst friends, relatives, and neighbors because he's not that far. This Cana of Galilee is not that far from Nazareth. They, you know, they were small communities. Yeah. And probably his mom, Miriam, was probably involved some way because later on we find out uh, Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding and they ran out of wine. Ay, 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 ay. Chris. <laughs> Running out of food, running out of drink at a wedding, it, it, oh, I, I, from a Jewish point of view, it's catastrophe. Yeah. It's catastrophe. So his mom tells him, it says, when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. You know, can I say, uh, I think I had told this to you too. I was, um, at one of my professors at Dallas Seminary was talking about this. And he was saying, you know, most people don't realize the reason why they ran. You know, it's not like they were unprepared. You know, they were prepared people. They knew how many, we've got these guests coming. You're never prepared when it comes to Jewish family. That's like, and well, and Jesus, you know, so it's a family affair. The mother of Jesus is there. So their family was invited. Yes. But then Jesus comes along with these extra men who are drinking extra wine as well. So, of course, it begins to go down. I think, you know, he was saying that's probably one of the reasons that his mother came to him and said, you know, this is something you should handle. This is something you should take care of. Look at the extra people you brought along. Well, let me tell you a story. I was invited. Uh, this was actually a Jewish family, a believing family like us. 
This is a number of years ago. I was invited to a cookout. Chris, you're invited to a cookout. Okay. Yeah. Right, so you're gonna have <laughs> I love you're gonna story. have hot dogs, right, or hamburgers or whatever. So we get to their house. I have my four kids. They were little at the time, and they say, "So, are, you want a hot dog or a hamburger?" Oh, okay. So we listed what we wanted, and <laughs> when it came time, each of us got one thing. One. One hot dog or one hamburger. Whichever one we picked. You right. got one, and that was it. There, That was it. There was n- it, it was measured out exactly. There were this many people. That's how many meat items there are, and no extra. I wonder if this was the same thing. We have our strict count. We know how much. Maybe it was an accountant, an, an actuarial account. Well, we got these many people. This is how much wine we'll need. Uh, who messed this up? We're out of wine. Oh, I'll tell you this right now. If the Katolka kids showed up, no one would have gotten extra hamburgers and hot dogs, or none, because they eat hamburgers and hot dogs like crazy. I mean, they want extra. Two, three, easy. So we, we this is what happens. They ran out of wine, and the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine, and Jesus said to her, oh, boy, this is great. <laughs> Again, for those of you who have mothers and you're an adult, woman? Yes. <laughs> he didn't call her mom. He called her woman. Now, I don't want to make light of this, but it is significant because this was the beginning of his ministry. Woman isn't a derogatory at all, but it's definitely less formal, less less family, if you will. He was making a distinction. Mm-hmm. And so now he's calling her woman. It's a mild rebuke. Mom, mom my time. Oh, Chris, this my time. What's John going to write about? He's He wants people, the purpose of the book is so that people will believe. These signs are given so that people will believe. And so he's starting off his ministry. She says there's no wine, believing that he can do something about it. And he says, it's, it's not the time. Well, what, Chris, what time was he expect? What time was he talking about? This is significant. Well, he's talking about his uh, messianic reign. He was talking about his messianic, uh, uh, revealing his messianic authority, revealing his status and his, 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 uh, his, um, his position to everybody. So far, it's only been revealed, of course, to John the Baptist it's been revealed to those that he's been calling. But now it, it was his mother that was kind of saying, hey, now's the time to go ahead and reveal to all of these people here because the moment it happens here, the, you know, it's going to get out. Oh, it's going to get out. It's going to get out fast. It's going to be like, an, uh, like you know, when you're, you know, I don't know if your mom does this, but do, do you ever get um, uh, the emails forwarded from your mom? You know? No, my mom doesn't do that. She doesn't do she that. She just talks to me. <laughs> She just I'd rather the have the email. <laughs> well, you know, the forward. It's like people like the forward. It's like it went just as fast than email in the ancient day. The moment they saw something, you can guarantee it was front page news and everyone was talking about it. So I think that's what he was mostly. Now's not the time for people for me to publicly display what's going on um, in, in, in my ministry. Yeah, and, and so he's telling her now's not the time. She takes the rebuke and immediately talks to the servants and says, whatever he says to you, do it. Chris, if you get nothing else out of the Gospel of John, get those words. Mm -hmm. She quickly rebounded from a mild rebuke to say, hey, whatever he says, do. We could live by that, Chris. Whatever Jesus says to do, do. That's pretty easy uh, and pretty amazing. 
now that so now it's going to. It is amazing though because he goes, "Hey, I, I, you know, why are you involving me in this? And my hour is not yet come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, you listen to him, everybody. <laughs> hey, you listen to you tell him whatever he tells you to do. You do. You know, he's telling her now's not the time, but yeah. she, like a mother, I, I'll tell you when. You know, she steps right in. So yep, yep, yep. And now we have six water pots. And these are for ceremonial cleaning, but they're empty. There's six pots that mm-hmm. are empty. And he says to fill them with water. Water, Chris, in the in the book of John, uh, water is the word. Uh, you can certainly say symbolically is the word. But he says, fill them up. So these servants come, and they fill it up to the brim. Yes. To the brim. So we're talking about a, a, estimates between 120 and 180 gallons of water. Mm. And that's a lot of water. And they didn't just go to the sink to get this water. They no. got to get it from a distance away, a well somewhere. It's got to be filled up. It, uh, wait, aggravation for me. But nonetheless, they have to fill it up. Uh, so he says, fill it up with water. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. Now, Chris, I'm not an expert when it comes to wine. First of all, we're not talking about Manischewitz wine no, here yeah. at a wedding. That's really important to know the culture. Uh, it, in fact, in the Talmud, there's all kinds of talk about what kind of wine it is. Uh, because the rabbis, most people didn't drink straight water then. It was diluted with a little bit of alcohol to make sure it was purified. Yep. And so is it 3 to 1? Is it 10 to 1? Is it 20 to 1? I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, the wine was definitely a drink of joy. Chris, I grew up drinking Manischewitz wine when I was a child. My parents didn't abuse me. They didn't want me to drink. We weren't allowed to drink. We didn't even count it as drinking. And thank God I tasted that Manischewitz. I, oh, yeah, yeah, I hated it. But it's a, it's a blessing. Mm-hmm. It's a worship thing. And when you get bar mitzvah or you have a wedding, you're going to have wine. What was unique, in order to make wine, Chris, it takes, what do you need to make wine? Give me the ingredients off the top of your head. This You don't have to well, look it up. You need grape juice. Well, you need grapes, yeah, right? you need grapes. You need somebody like Lucille Ball in an old thing to smash the grapes with their feet, right? That's I'm old enough. You don't remember any of that. No, but I, I do. do. I remember that She's scene. She's jumping up and down, juicing the grapes, and they got to go through a thing, and you got liquid, but then what do you have to do? You have to wait a long time. You got to wait. Yep. You got to wait until it ferments. And then you got to combine it with the water. So look at all the stuff it takes for wine. But what does the text say? So they filled it to the brim, draw some out now, take it to the master. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he did not know where it came from. I said, man, this is good stuff. Why are you bringing the best stuff last yes which never happens because normally they when when they do start to run out of wine they would start to dilute the wine even more that's right to get more out of it so that the party can go on and on and now all of a sudden how long does a wedding go chris it can go days it goes a week in judaism exactly this thing is a party and they're already you are out of wine you're out of oh people are going to go crazy. They'll go home. (laughs) I can't even imagine. I just, from my background, the idea of running out of food or drink is just your whole, you're shot. The whole day is shot. Can you imagine guests walking away? So 
he turned the water into wine. Now, here's the question. I don't even have the answer. You might have the answer. Was the wine already in the gallons, or when they poured it out, did it turn into wine? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Well, I mean, it seemed, it, and the way I've always interpreted it is that it happened in the stone jar, in the stone So you ceremony. believe that a whole, all 180 gallons was wine instantly? I, that's fine. Yeah, I don't I don't, have, I've always. That's I don't the way I've always like interpreted it. This, I don't know. I. What if he? What if it was just when it pours out, it turns to wine? That that could be that too. It's and then they open it up, and it's water in there, and, and they're looking. <laughs> could you? Um, I I just want. I just thought about. I wonder. I wonder if he did it all at once. Did he do it a little at a time? It, either way, can you imagine? Especially in a Jewish wedding. Yeah, Jewish get together. Oh, watch this! Yeah. It's water here. Yeah, exactly. turn it there. It's wine. People will go. Oh man! I mean, it is a sign. It's a sign that, that it, it is a, a miracle. Sign. It is a sign. And you know, don't you think in Revelation chapter nineteen does a wedding come up in your head in Revelation? That, you know, that's a, that a lot of what's going on here too. Is my mind goes back to passages, especially in Isaiah. You know, Isaiah, uh, I believe, chapter twenty-five talks about this, um, you know, in the kingdom that's coming, this messianic rule, there will be a new wine uh, that will flow from Mount Carmel. Mount Mount Carmel then was known for, you know, having vineyards, and there will be a new wine that flows. So, you know, when Jesus is turning this water into wine, it's not just, you know, like going to a magic show or something like that, you know, where, where he's wowing the crowd. There's also biblical significance to it as well that, you know, I'm the Messiah, uh, I'm the king of Israel, and just as the you know the prophets had promised, um, I am going to you know turn water into new wine will flow, and that's why he's very impressed when there's new wine and there's new things going. You know they're seeing these events happening. It's correlating back to even a promise in the Old Testament that there would be new wine that would come from Mount Carmel. There's a funny story though too, Steve, because. I remember, you know, the prophet Isaiah does specifically say that a new wine will flow from Mount Carmel. So uh, during the the mandate in Palestine, um, uh, Rothschild bought a lot of the land near Mount... Explain mandates. Not everybody's going to understand what you're saying. This is when the British controlled what is Israel today, um, between 1917 and 1948. Uh, And so Rothschild went in and started... It might have even been before that. We have a Rothschild. We do have a Rothschild. Actually, it might be before the mandate that Rothschild bought... Yep, there he is. There he is. Why don't you show here? Let me get let me get you in the camera shot here. Yeah, there's Let's Rothschild see. right. Put there. him right over. Put him right over here. There, there you go. go. There's, there's Rothschild. There's our Rothschild. little Rothschild. <laughs> we got little guys. We, we our, got the guys. There's our Rothschild. I, I'll have to get the exact data when it's happened. But there are some big towns. Zikron Yaakov is in memory uh, of one of Rothschild's children. I believe is a town near there. But he knew about this passage that new wine would flow from Mount Carmel. So he bought all of this land and built vineyards on Mount Carmel saying new wine's going to flow. I'm going to make it. (laughs) And they start making the wine and it's horrible. (laughs) 
nobody wants to drink it. And so, but today, of course, today Mount Carmel wine is very good. Uh, Mount Carmel wine, I know, up in the Golan Heights, they are known like by the French and the this and the that. They for, compete in all the winery contests, whatever they do. They I, win. I'm go- the wrong person to talk about anything like that. No, but. I know what you're saying, but I'm also the, the the thing I'm connecting is when Jesus is doing this. This isn't just a magic show. You know, it's not like he's pulling coins out from the back of people's ears and he's wow. This is also prophetic significance as well, which ties not only into the fact that he's making new wine, but again, it's a wedding banquet, which I think is the the bigger picture as well of what geez, the anticipation of what's coming. The king is here. It, amazing. And when you think of water too, you think of living water. He's with the woman at the well and he talks about living water and abundant life. So you think about the water being turned into wine. When you and I feast on his word, what comes out? Wine is symbolic of joy. When we spend time in the word, we give off joy. Yes. There, there, we, we fellowship with him. He fellowships with us. There's a lot of uh, things you can draw from the text, but we want to stay. It's a sign. First of all, this is a wedding. Jesus is there. His mother is there. The family is there. They run out of wine for whatever reason they do. Jesus turns the water into wine, and it's the best, not the worst. It's the best. And then verse 11, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Mm -hmm. Chris, this is the first miracle. This is uh, the first that John is going to record. This is his public ministry. He starts with local. He starts... Nazareth would be local. He's not far from there. And he's in Cana. His family's there. And he is going to demonstrate who he is. And Chris, I just know our people. I say it with respect. Whenever I identify, I might joke, but I'm identifying. How long do you think this was a secret? What do you think happened? Oh, it was gone right away. I mean, it was already spreading. They before. didn't have emails, Twitter. No, nope, this they is what I'm nothing. saying. Word but of Jewish mouth. Jewish people, we don't need Twitter. That's right. Word of mouth was just as fast as the internet back then. <laughs> Lightning fast. That's right. This was critical, and the first miracle recorded, uh, we're going to look at seven of them. This was the first one. And what an amazing, what an amazing one. Do you think it was anything that uh, uh, the particular, now if you go to Cana of Galilee today, which our tour sometimes does do that, oh, our, yeah. up to Jerusalem mm-hmm. tour, they fa- there are stone, um, ceremonial stone j- uh, jars that they found. I mean, I'm not saying it's the ones from the wedding, but they, they are from that area. Um, but there's, is there significance to the fact that they were some ceremonial, ceremonial washing um, jugs or jars. Normally, they put wine in wine skins, or you know, what this was. This was for purification reasons. This was more than just the normal jug that you put wine in. It, well, first of all, they were big. They were huge. That that's number one. Second of all, they were empty. The ceremonial uh, tanks were empty. Yeah, and I think that's symbolic. I think you can draw from that, uh, and that it took. Really, the water, the word, uh, it took Jesus mm. to fill it. Mm. Um, look, I came. I love the family I was raised with. God didn't make a mistake. The things that I was raised with, I praise God for. But ceremony, regardless of Judaism, 
Protestantism, Catholicism, any ism you want to talk about, they all have to do with doing enough to get to heaven, yeah. doing enough mitzvot in Judaism, doing enough sacraments in, in Catholicism, doing enough good deeds in Protestantism, all supposed to get you. Christianity doesn't say that. Being born again, evangelical Christianity says those things could be pretty. Those things you can learn from even, but don't believe that you can earn your way anywhere. It's by grace that we're saved Mm. through faith. And what does it say after the first miracle? His disciples believed in him. Yeah. Now, Granted, it took a sign. We they need a sign. We to authenticate who he is, but nonetheless the purpose is to believe. Mm. And we're going to go step by step through these seven signs all for the purpose as we started off in chapter 20 to tell us so that we'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is exciting. It is. And can I maybe a little application just this is at least coming to me as I'm thinking about this passage and I'm I'm reading where it it says that everyone serves the good wine first and then the cheaper wine when the guests are are drunk it says you have kept the good wine until now it uh, uh it says in John chapter 2 verse 10. And I just think about what the world offers and what Jesus offers. You know, the world entices you up front with, and, and John likes to use this dichotomy between the world and 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 the kingdom that Jesus um, wants to, to bring, and life in him, l'chaim in him. And, and I, I just think about the fact that what the world offers is one of those things where, you know, you get your fill, but then it just becomes diluted, and it becomes worth nothing over time, and, and it just leaves you empty, and, and it's worthless, where it's amazing to me that what Jesus brings is a, con, a, a constant abundance of, of l'chaim, that even with Jesus in your old age, and, and when, when, when you're getting older— Like me! If you, I wasn't pointing. You knew you were going to say that. I wasn't pointing. I was not pointing. I was not pointing. I wasn't pointing at you, but what I am saying is that there is a reality that what Jesus gives is still the best to the very end. Um, It might not be that big kick that the world offers you because the world is enticing in a certain way. It appeals to the flesh. It appeals to the senses. But what Jesus gives us, when when we place our faith in him, is 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 something that even the you know the servants are saying you waited to the, the give the best to the end. I think that's the way the Lord Jesus is. He he keeps giving the best. You know, would you say that the servants knew something that the master did not know? I'm not trying to trick you. They they were went and filled it up. They knew what was happening. They ladled it out. The mass, they knew where it came from. They were told by Jesus to, to do it. The master didn't know. I, can, I find that interesting. You know, here at Friends of Israel, we have different people doing different jobs, different ministries, and uh, you and I are in a, in a department, and we're the uh, decision makers. But, you know, I wasn't always a decision maker. I used to, back, back in the day, I was more of the grunt person. And sometimes the people who are the grunt people know more than the people. They know more than the people at the top because they see it first. They see it first, just mm-hmm. like these servants. Yeah. The master saying, "Hey, where'd this come from?" Yeah, yeah, that's right. The servants. They knew all the time. Yeah, they knew all the time. So he's starting. He's starting his signs 
with his disciples, his base, and then he's going to branch out, as we'll see. Yep, and that's going to be a part of our study here. And it'll be great. Yep, so we're, we, we've we wrapped up our first sign of the seven at the wedding at Cana. A L'chaim. Great L'chaim. Life. That's right. Life. But, well, let's, uh, why don't we move on to the news, Steve? What Aye, do we got? Speaking of life, this is this news item is actually going to save lives. This is this, so interesting. It is me. amazing. This is Israeli firm develops next-gen radar which can see through walls. Chris, this is a uh, Israel-based Camaro Tech company, and here's what it says. According to a press release from Cameo Tech, it is launching the Xavier 1000, the new generation of the company's product line that offers unprecedented operational capabilities to military forces, law enforcement agencies, intelligence units, and first responders. And what can it do? It enables users to measure the height of objects, decide whether they are adults, children, or animals, resulting in a clear operational advantage from seeing through a wall. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> They'll know if you're a kid. Oh, that's a rabbit. Let it go. Yeah. Oop, that's an adult. It looks like a grenade. We better do something. Th- that is my, I mean, they're going to be able to see through walls. I mean, now they don't have to break down doors to find out what's going on in there. They could, I guess, do some investigational work without having to threaten themselves in many ways. So that's it, it, it's you're going to mail that you're going to give people a link who listen if that's they right. want. They got to right. read it's in this, our show notes. But it says a high resolution 3D view and other powerful tools of the system provide an exceptional level of situational awareness. Hey. Wow. This is going to let people on they'll be able to discern quickly. And this is uh, AI. This is AI technology. I'm telling you, it's kind of, it's cool, and it's also a little scary. It's freaky. That means that if Laura, who's our assistant, is in the room next to us, she could see us right now saying, oh, those guys are. Exactly. Who's that short guy in there? Oh, that's (laughs) just Chris. Two short people. (laughs) That's just Chris. All right, Steve. You do the next one. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, set us up here for this next one. Uh, You actually, and Laura found this for us, and you you, you guys turned me on to this, but um, there's a woman who spoke at uh, the UN Watch, the United Nations Watch, uh, which is a very important NGO because it's standing up for Israel in the UN, which it which, needs. Not a friendly oh, place. Oh, my goodness. Um, and so uh, she says, she's from South Africa, uh, and she says, my people's suffering under apartheid is used to criminalize Israel. And it's true because Israel is often called an apartheid state. Um, and uh, she's saying you you can't even compare the two. And to do so is to diminish my people uh, who have physically suffered under the. Uh, That's what's so amazing apartheid. about this story, Chris, is she's saying this cheapens what my people who are black went through as real apartheid. And you're accusing Israel of this when it's not even close to being true. That's right. I have a little portion here that I want to uh, be able just to. Just sh- her voice gets. I love that accent. Here she is right here. Let's go ahead and play. This piece. On 21 June 2004, former UN Secretary General Kofi Annan noted that, you, that the United Nations emerged from the ashes of the Holocaust and that a human rights agenda that fails to address anti-Semitism denies its own history. Isn't that amazing to think about? You know, I, I often don't think about that in relationship to the way Israel is treated in the UN, but the, the United Nations was, was founded after or around the time after the Holocaust 
it, it, it found, or it's the, the, the Human Rights Council, all of that. And here, the very thing that was designed to give, you know, to make sure that there is, there is no more anti-Semitism, to, to stamp it out and to make sure that a Holocaust for another people doesn't occur is targeting Israel. Is, is that not mind blowing? I it, mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. If this thing, you're going to have a link. I encourage people to watch this. Uh, she, she is one of three uh, people who presents at this NGO. It's remarkable. They have a um, special forces general who's has all kinds of experience. He's from Great Britain, UK, and he outlines all the things Israel does. Hey, Chris, there's a war going on, Ukraine against Russia. Is Ukraine saying, uh, just a minute, I'd like to announce to the Russians over there as we send a missile to your tank to evacuate first because we're going to blow it up. <laughs> that's right. But no. that's what Israel does right. all the time. It's, it's unbelievable. Let's hear just a little bit more of what she has to say. He also said that the fight against anti-Semitism must be the United Nations fight and that the Jews everywhere should feel that the United Nations is their home too. It thus boggles the mind... Why the United Nations Human Rights Council would establish a commission inquiry that is anti-Semitic, that stretches indefinitely into the future and into the past, that is one-sided and is chaired by someone who has made no secret her anti-Israel bias. Isn't that good for her? Amen. Amen and amen. I know you're very excited about that, Steve. I like it. I like it too. She's passionate. She says a lot more, especially when it comes to how her people suffered, uh, the blacks suffered during apartheid and how dare they uh, use um, Israel as a as a as a connection to that. It's that she just says it's wrong and it diminishes who we are as a people. I encourage our people to watch that. Uh, the link is posted in the show notes. Go ahead, Steve. Next one up: the Israelis to be allowed into Qatar for the World Cup. Chris, this I know. Look, well, we're going from the UN to Qatar now. This is this is something else. It's you know it, it's mind boggling. Uh, this is from Jerusalem from Reuters. Uh, Israelis will be able to attend the 2022 World Cup games in Qatar. Israeli ministers said on Thursday in a move they said would open a new door to a country which, with which Israel does not currently have formal diplomatic relations. After months, months of talks with FIFA, they announced uh, through uh, Foreign Minister Lapid uh, and Defense Minister Gantz that they'll be allowed to do this. This is big news. It's huge. There, an Israeli could go. In fact, if they buy a ticket, it's the same as a passport. They can use the ticket as a passport to go right to the games. Oh, you serious? It's right in this article. Yep. I wonder why they're allowing them to do that. Do you I think mean, it's so they don't have to have? To I have don't the think guitar? they're allowed, they're probably not allowed to go anywhere else. But it's a beginning, and they use it to go right in. That is amazing. Yeah, that is cool. amazing. It's definitely times are changing and when it comes know, to Israel. You have to give credit. Uh, to the previous administration, which had the Abrahamic Accords, which began to open doors where people said it was not possible mm-hmm. to make peace. These things are happening. Yeah, it's I mean, great. we're talking about countries at one point like UAE, when you would fly on their planes, they would blur out Israel on the map when they're flying over the Middle East. And now they have diplomatic relations. They have ambassador swaps. They have it's ama- they have uh, economic ties. It's amazing. Uh, security ties. All of these things. They've, they've gone from enemies to, 
you know, friends, what seems like overnight. So it, there's a lot of fascinating things. It's just, it, it, the world is weird, Steve, because in one minute we're oh, talking. the world weird? Yeah, we, is anything okay? Is anything okay? <laughs> is anything okay? <laughs> you know, honestly, though, if, if, you, if you think about it, in one moment we're talking about the United Nations, which brings more human rights uh, um, uh, against Israel. Violations, violations yep. thank you, against Israel uh, during the war that Russia is committing in Ukraine, which is a human rights, a blatant human right. I mean, it could have days and days of going through that. But but Israel gets the most. Um, but then all of a sudden we're talking about Qatar letting them in. And it's going, what? Then we're talking about there's a rise of anti-Semitism in the United States and all around the world. But yet there are these moments of peace that we see. It's it's a very weird, weird world that we're living in where one minute we're going, Qatar's letting Israel, the UAE is their friend. You, you know, you're you're kind of mind blown by it at all. It's confusing. And then the reality on the ground is there's still anti-Semitism as well. 100%. All right, Steve. So um, we, we were talking earlier about... The Yiddish word for the day, and I let the cat out of the bag. You I had did, to you do couldn't it. help it because it's, it's a simcha. It's a simcha. And notice the cha. You and I are far enough away, I won't spit on you. A simcha, a blessing, a joyous event, a wedding, a bar mitzvah, a birthday party. We want a simcha. Hey, you know what else is a simcha? What? The Jew and Gentile podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, was I a sucker for that uh, one? Simcha. <laughs> I, I think we'd have to take a poll on that. We say, is this Simcha or no Simcha? That's right. Now, I, I think people would say, uh, no Simcha. Uh, the, the simcha for the first three minutes, and then uh, the rest, uh, we don't know. <laughs> we, we have people say, hey, I don't know I can handle that Simcha. <laughs> well, Simcha is a joyous occasion. Um, I wanted to... Uh, talk about the idea because it's not just a joyous occasion but it actually means joy too um there was a rabbi that i was reading earlier who said that you know it's almost a mitzvot to be simcha to have joy all the time it's a it, it when you're happy a simcha when you're happy you make people around you happy hey what's that verse the joy of the lord is my strength. That's right. The joy of the uh, the, simcha. the simcha. The simcha. That's right. That this is the interesting Yiddish word because remember Yiddish is a combination of Hebrew um, and and German and some and some Eastern European languages all smashed. A little together. bit of this, a little bit of that. Yep. And what do you got? Yiddish. Yiddish. And this is where the Hebrew comes in because simcha is a Hebrew word for joy as well. Um, so they they go to they go together. So simcha joy. But uh, Steve, you showed me. A video today that I, I just I have to post because it just shows the Yiddish kite in in our culture. Uh, why don't you set us up and I'll play it? Well, then. I my sister sent me this. It was on Twitter. She sent it to me, and I, I I saw it. And then Laura sent it. I said, when it's two times from two different sources, I said, man, well, it's Billy Crystal. I think it's at the Tony Awards, yep. the recent Tony Awards. And he opens up with this shtick, and that's another Yiddish word, a shtick. It's a thing, and he makes it up as he goes, and I'm telling you, it's hilarious. It's just so funny, and you don't have to be Jewish to, for it to make you laugh. Listen, if you have been keeping up with the Jew and Gentile podcast, this is episode 38. So if you've been keeping up with us, then I think you'll have a deeper appreciation. Don't you think so? I think you'll have a deeper appreciation for the comedy that comes out of this. This was aired on CBS 
And so this is Billy Crystal. He's still got it, Steve. Billy Crystal yeah, is 74 still, years old. He does have it. He still is the showman Billy Crystal. So take a listen. This is uh, Billy Crystal bringing some Yiddish to national television, everybody. Folks, good evening. You guys like jazz, scat singing? <laughs> oh, good, because that's not what we're going to do. <laughs> what I'm going to do is Yiddish. And you got to see this, Chris. I mean, when he starts, we don't really have that much rhythm, bit, right? but when he does this it, it's all right. Yeah. Ella Fitzgerald, wherever you are, I apologize in advance. <laughs> Look at him move. He's saying nothing, Chris. Notice the chuz. Just repeat after me and try not to spit on the person in front of you because, you know, we got a thing with droplets. Just repeat after me. I love this. The vegan, vegan blood. He's got the whole crowd going. <laughs> He's going up to Samuel L. Jackson now. The Gentiles are loving this. It's a Jew and Gentile right there. I'm Alexander Rabinowitz. Hey, balcony, balcony. All right, Steve, there's a point I want to get to where he calls on the crowd to go. Oh, wait. Did you hear that? This is an old Jew's worst nightmare. Stairs. Stairs. Listen to the crowd. Okay, now I'm going to part you guys like the Red Sea. This side and that side. One word, and when I point to you, repeat after me. Say oi. Oi. Say bay. Bay. Say oi. Oi. Say bay. Bay. Say oi. Oi. All right, that's Billy Crystal, everybody, bringing a little Yiddish kite to national television at the Tonys. It, it's fun. You know, it's funny. Whenever um, people try to repeat you, whenever you say something like... Zagazun. You know, it's funny because they... That's what they sound like. They're going, what does Steve say? You know, that's what they say. It's funny because that is Yiddish. You don't even, it, you know it means something, but you can't get it out. It's the language of spitting. <laughs> it is the language of spitting. Well, everybody, listen, I hope that you enjoyed this, uh, this installment, Steve, this installment of the Jew and Gentile podcast. Take up to 12 months. No interest. <laughs> that's right. Stick around with us. This is the Jew and Gentile podcast. It's been a joy to be with you. It's been a simcha, a simcha. to be with you. Hey, thank you so much. Don't forget to sign up for Lorna Simcox's class, The Search. You can do that by going to foiequip.org. That's this Thursday. Sign up. Steve thinks 400 isn't that much. I want it, So he wants to see more. You want to see more, Steve? I want more. All right. Well, listen. Get there. foiequip.org. Sign up. Come listen to Lorna. She's fantastic. You're going to love her. Hey, FOI Equip. Get there right now. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll talk to you soon. Bye now.